starting a new sermon series called Hidden Treasures. And there are many uh, narratives in Scripture, so many stories in Scripture. We find quite a few of them in the Old Testament. But even in the New Testament, there are stories. And there are some things that sometimes small stories or things in stories that we might miss if we're just kind of like reading past it, right? Like if you've, especially if you're an individual who's done like read the Bible in a year kind of situation, sometimes there's a lot going on in that year, right? You may end up reading some Old Testament portion of scripture, some New Testament and a Psalm, and there's something that just might get lost. That's why it's called a hidden treasure, because we're going to look at four uh, just unique little hidden treasures in scripture. And today, um, the name of the sermon is, Who Are You Wrestling With? <laughs> yes! Uh, it's in Genesis 32, 22 through 32. Um, and uh, so that's actually where we'll be. But before we actually get into that main portion of scripture, I want to talk about our kind of main character of this narrative, Jacob. Jacob is kind of the third patriarch in the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? And so when we look in the book of Genesis, God calls Abraham out of his uh, current living situation uh, to follow him into a land that he will send him, talks about his family inheriting this land. And so Abraham, then he and his wife, Sarah, have a son, Isaac, and then Jacob, is the second son of Isaac. Jacob is a, um, there's some great drama in the story of Jacob. I've actually done quite a few sermons on my boy Jacob, okay? Because he just has a lot happening in his life. He ends up with a whole slew of children, <laughs> which eventually become the namesakes of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, but, I mean, his name eventually is changed to Israel, but you can read his story from halfway through Genesis all the way through the rest. He shows up intermittently, even in Joseph's story, because he's Joseph's dad, right? And so Jacob, at the point where we're jumping in in 32, he was with his, he had fled the land that he was in, because he had some beef with his brother. I'll let y'all read that. He had been in, he had been at this place now getting two wives, spending 14 plus years building wealth and also building a family. And at some point, God says, hey, I want you to go back to Canaan and I want you Talk with your brother, get it all together. I'm sending you out of where you are and so that you can continue on leading my people. And so now we see Jacob having now gone, having brought his family and all of these cattle and all of these sheep. And now he's in this place where he is about to meet his brother. And I think we have to talk about that drama with his brother before we get here. So... Earlier in Genesis, Jacob, uh, not so much tricks 
Esau, his brother, into getting, getting rid of his birthright. He didn't necessarily trick him. He just kind of utilized Esau's, <laughs> took advantage of Esau's indulgence, and, at, and then also did kind of work to trick his dad <laughs> into giving him the inheritance. So now Jacob has both the birthright of his brother and the inheritance of his brother. And there's nothing his older brother Esau can do about it except beat the snot out of him. Let's just be real. Those of us who have older brothers, I know what it feels like to have the snot beat out of you. No. <laughs> and so Esau is stronger than and honestly couldn't care less about Jacob's feelings as it relates to what this is. So there's real fear for Jacob's life and now his family and all of his property, right? This is what Jacob is coming into. Some of us, every single time we have a family function, we have some anxiety, right? Like that we feel like uh, cause I had this conflict with such and such and this is unresolved and this thing. And especially as it relates to inheritance, there's whole sitcoms about it, whole movies about it. Like mom and daddy left you this and they ain't leave me half or nothing. And now we got to try to do Thanksgiving together. And <laughs> nope, there's already anxiety going into it. Jacob sends his family on. He actually splits him up into two groups and he sends them forward. And he is alone at this point. And that's actually where we jump in. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, his two servant wives, so the, his, the servants of his wives, and his 11 sons, and they crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. I love the word touch there because that seems like he's just touched, but it seemed like a little more than touch. You know what I'm saying? No, no. So some of us, you know, we are a little bit Christian hood, right? Like we're a little hood Christian. And we'll say, we'll lay our hands on you. Like, right? <laughs> right? So, and we don't mean praying healing when we say, I'm going to lay my hands on you. Right? I feel like he laid his hands on him. <laughs> okay? He touched him. <laughs> uh, but it was more than a touch. When the man saw that he could, would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. 
The man was rising, excuse, the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even to this day, the people of Israel don't eat the, eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man, the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. So there's a couple things we got to make sure that we talk about in here because, right, like when we read an Old Testament narrative, it, some, for some of us, it feels like a history lesson, right? And that's okay because actually in some ways, this does serve as a history lesson to the Israelites coming out of both Egypt and coming out of exile. They needed to know what their history was. So that's a part of what this is. But there's another part too. The Bible is not primarily a history book, just like it's not primarily a science book. It's primarily a book of theology. It's primarily about the heart of God and his interaction with humanity and humanity's interaction with God and one another. That's primarily the point of scripture. So even when we look at this history, we also have to keep in mind there's something that is I'm supposed to see here that is more than just the story of how Jacob got that limp. There's something more there. A couple of things that we should know. The Jews, are, we, we as believers, we, excuse me, as Christians, we believe in a Trinitarian God. That's a part of the hallmark of Christianity. That's actually the thing that separates us from religions like Judaism and even Islam. Like there's, we believe that there's one God, but Christianity, the hallmark of Christianity is to believe that that one God has represented God's self in three different ways, right? Well, Judaism also had a way of seeing God that was more than just one. They often call those those two powers. That's, that's something that if you study scripture in, Jew, in Jewish culture, two powers would represent the invisible, all-powerful, not touchable, don't even look at his face part of creator God. But oftentimes in the Old Testament, there is these moments where human beings interact with a being that or well, not just a being, some entity that also represents God. A good example of that is Gideon. If you know the story of Gideon, Gideon is hiding. And then there's an, what's called an angel that comes to speak to him. But also that angel keeps it like it becomes interchanged. At one point it's an angel and another part, then he's talking like he's God. And then he's an angel again and then he's talking like he's God. Well, Moses comes into interaction with a fiery bush, and there are pillars that lead the children of Israel out of slavery, and those pillars are actually considered the presence of God. It's not just something coming out of the sky. It's a part of these two powers. It's important that we know that because any Jew hearing this story would not just see this man as somebody who ain't got nothing better to do than attack people at night. He's not just some random dude. Any Jew hearing this story would recognize in this context of the two powers, this being that Jacob is wrestling with is God. That's why 
Jacob names the place Peniel because he's seen the face of God and didn't die. It's important that we know that. It's important that we know that. Because if we just say he was wrestling with a man who gave him a new name, then that, that discredits what was actually happening in the story. And to some degree, if we call him just an angel, it also discredits it too. Jacob knew he was wrestling with God. And so would every other Jew who heard this story. He was wrestling with the second part of the two part, excuse me, the two powers. And so this whole sermon series is about hidden treasures. So now we get to talk about how we then apply and live in this portion of scripture. Some of us know what it's like to experience spiritual warfare. And it's, yes, sometimes it shows up in our body. Yep. Yes, sometimes it shows up in our relationships. Yeah. Sometimes it shows up in our emotions. Yep. Sometimes it shows up in our minds being plagued and we literally just cannot formulate words the way we need to. Yep. There's no real pattern to it's always this or it's always that. But those of us who have been walking with the Lord long enough to, to be able to see the pattern of this came out of nowhere. And I also know I got this going on and I heard this from the Lord and then all hell breaks loose in my life. <laughs> we know what that feels like. That spiritual warfare, we have come to, I won't say avoid, but we've come to look at with disdain. And unfortunately, the way our bodies and our emotions and our minds and our souls work, we can't always immediately know if what we're wrestling with is evil or if what we're wrestling with is just intimidating. So the first question we have to ask ourselves when we're experiencing things are, who are you wrestling with? That's a, that has to be a legitimate question that you ask yourself when you're in that space. Who am I actually wrestling with here? I'm going to be honest. I've had moments where I am rebuking Satan left and right. <laughs> I got my oil out. I'm touching everything in the room. I'm out here praying. I'm speaking in tongues. And I'm, I'm, I'm pacing the floor, casting every demon out, and nothing's happening. Who are you wrestling with, Chase? Amen. Oh. And I know that's not all of our experience. I get that. Some of us don't look at it that way, but we're still wrestling. Whether we, whether we call it that or not, we're still wrestling. Some of us call it anxiety disorder. We're wrestling with some stuff. Some of, it, some of us call it unresolved dot, dot, dot. We're wrestling. But who are we wrestling with? Has to be for us as mature followers of Christ, for individuals who have intimate relationship with Creator God, we have to ask ourselves who are we wrestling with? 
Because if we're don't ask ourselves who we're wrestling with, we can begin to start running from our blessings. Because there's some things that God actually wants to wrestle with us about. Remember, I told you that Jacob had this whole life before. Some of that life involved him being one sneaky, kind of weird, deceptive, kind of shady dude. And while the Bible kind of writes it nicely, (laughs) just be real, there was some things going on with Jacob. He was tricking people left and right. And it's okay for us to like, it's all right for us to be honest. He's a human being. He clearly has the presence of God with him. That's okay. But there's also something about who Jacob is that clearly the father doesn't want to go with him into where he's going. Don't miss that. There's clearly something about who Jacob is that the father does not want to go with him and where he's going. And if Jacob doesn't sit there and wrestle with this second part of the two powers, if he runs away, he's not blessed. Actually, What is that? It's not just a blessing as in he doesn't get a new car. He doesn't get this new thing. He doesn't get his new identity. That's the important part of this story. We talked a little bit about identity or the word name in Bible study a couple of weeks ago. Anytime we read the word name in scripture, it's pointing to not just what we call you. It's pointing to who you are, your identity. And that sometimes can be difficult for us to separate, but let's talk about it this way. You have experiences that have made you who you are. Some of them have words and some of them don't. You have had things that have happened in your family history that have made you who you are. You have had things that have happened to you, happened upon you, happened around you, that you had no control over, that made you who you are. And some of us are wrestling with that. (laughs) And we're calling it Satan when sometimes, really, it's the Holy Spirit inviting us into a place where I'm about to change who you are. I'm about to do something completely different in you. And you you might not even recognize the who that you are by the time we're done. And some of us run from that because it's scary. Let's be real. He's wrestling. He's touching my hip. (laughs) And it don't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And so we immediately say it doesn't feel good. So it must not be from God because all good things come from God. That scripture doesn't say all uncomfortable things don't. All good things do come from God. And he also wrestles with us. And it's uncomfortable sometimes. And if we run away or start trying to rebuke it or just don't engage anymore, I don't get my new name. I don't get to live free from the things I did not have control over that made me who I am. This is, we've, 
talked about this here before. I've experienced sexual assault in my life. And to be completely honest, it has shaped most of my identity for most of my life. It just has. I didn't ask for that. But it was a name given to me. And if I don't wrestle with God in that, then it can shape the rest of my life too. This is what Jacob is wrestling with here. God is changing who he is. And the way in which we see that in scripture is they're given a new name. But I also love the fact that the, that the Jews for a long time were actually called Israelites, right? God gives him this new name, which means you wrestled with God and man and you have triumphed. They're called people who wrestle with God <laughs> and man, right? Like that's what they're called. They're called Israel for generations. We still call Israel, Israel. <laughs> that has a meaning to it. God wants to give us new names that, that go beyond just this moment. That completely change the way our families are set up. Some of us have been living with a family name, not just your last name, but a family identity for generations. We call them generational curses. And you don't have to live with that anymore if you're willing to wrestle with God about it. I'm just being real. Sit there for a moment and wrestle with God. And yes, it's scary. It's the middle of the night for Jacob and he has no idea where this man came from. But I'm, and we've been taught in our popular culture to start rebuking it. But I want us to ask first, who am I wrestling with? I want us to ask first. Trust me, ain't that much going to happen between the time where you ask, who am I wrestling with, to the time you get the answer that you can't come back from? Because if you find you really are wrestling with an evil spirit, well then, you're going to take up the authority we've been given and go for it. But we have no authority to speak over, over God. And so perhaps that which we're trying to rebuke, we have no authority to shoo away. And that's why it's not going anywhere. That's why it's not going anywhere. Our God is a loving father. And a part of the way in which fathers father is sometimes calling their children into very uncomfortable things. Not because we don't like you. Not because the father doesn't love you. And not because the father doesn't want you to be comforted. But because you can't live well in where you're going if you hold on to that part of that identity. You will not live well here. You won't. And that part, I need to touch, pull it out of its socket, <laughs> and you might limp for a minute, <laughs> but trust me, trust me when I tell you, it's going to be better for you than, way, than, the, than who and where you are now. And that is not easy, 
But we see that in Scripture. Jacob's not the only one who's wrestled. It's just the only one we see a story like that. The hidden treasure here, the hidden treasure here is that God intends to do that with all of his children, not just one. God intends to do that with all of his children, not just one. If you call yourself a child of the most high God, he at some point intends to get you by yourself. Wrestle with you for a little while. And at the end of it, give you a new name. That he has spoken over you, that he sees in you. Not just something, not a nickname to combat what the world has. No, he gives you a new name that the world doesn't even know about. <laughs> Revelation talks about us getting new names, too. And it's also in a season of wrestling. All of Revelation is a wrestling. <laughs> the hidden treasure here is God has something for us on the other side of wrestling with him. And if we allow ourselves to be in that space, we receive the blessing that God actually wants to speak over us. So we got a little bit of time. Some of us need just a moment to engage with wrestling. I'm not saying you got to have your whole battle right here, right? I'm not saying that you can if you want to because you're home, right? But some of us need to just re-engage. Some of us, this is already striking and stirring up something in my soul because, oh, that feels way too much like home. That's the best way I can articulate that sometimes. That feels like, wait a minute, why is he talking in my front yard? Call that the Holy Spirit convicting you. And take a second to just say, God, I don't know what's on the other side, but I trust you enough to sit here and wrestle with you about it. God, I've been afraid to bring this subject up. But I trust you enough to wrestle with you about it for a minute. God, I've been afraid to even say this out loud in my prayers. But I trust you enough to wrestle a little bit. God, I've gotten very comfortable with these walls. But I trust you enough to bring them down. God, I want to trust you enough for that, but I'm afraid. God, I don't want to feel like I'm out of control. 
God, I don't know what it will be like if people understand and people know. And I don't know if I can handle the weight of their judgment. To be honest, the beginning of this starts with us confessing. Confession doesn't just look like me saying out loud how I sinned the other day. Confession means allowing that which is deep within me that causes me turmoil to come out of my mouth. those of you who journal or you have a notebook or you can take notes on your phone, I would actually encourage you to write it down. The thing you're wrestling with or need to wrestle with, write it down. Put the date on it. And when you go back to it and it's been resolved and it's been settled, the wrestling is done and you are operating in a new self, go back to it and praise God. Go back to it and praise God. That's actually one of my favorite things about journaling because you get to go back and look and see what God has done. Sometimes it's easy to forget that God is moving if we just don't put a date stamp on it. So Father, you see into the very core of who we are. There isn't anything hidden from you. You know what we have not said or haven't even had the courage to whisper for decades. You know what no one else knows. And our immediate reaction to that is fear. But God, you are also loving and you are kind and you are merciful. And even when you're not gentle, you are still working for my good. And so, God, I don't try to get rid of my fear. I walk into it afraid. I walk into it afraid. Build my courage as I go. Build my trust as I go. And just like you gave Jacob a new name, I look forward to the new identity that you intend to give me. Not the nickname that people will call me, but just the new me. Taking hold of the 
promise that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. That thing, renew my mind, God. That thing, renew my heart, God. That thing. And whatever wrestling that needs to happen, God, I submit to it. Lay hands on whatever part of me you need to. In Jesus' name, amen.